nigga live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. Winning game four, at least pride-wise, made me feel good because you don't ever want to get swept. I'm indifferent to him, whether or not he signs it. I'll be uh, hitting Milwaukee for the next five years. If you ask me, can the Bucks win game five? I put it at 40% confidence, yes. To think that, that a season is championship or bust is is um, certainly not the way we've approached it. At this point, we don't know what's going to happen. You can get game six. You can steal it. Championship or bust. Winning game six and seven. Championship or bust. I don't think they're going to win the whole series, but... There is no enjoyment with this team. Hello, and welcome to the Brew Hoop Podcast, episode 87. I'm Adam Paris, co-managing editor of BrewHoop.com, returning this week after a one-week hiatus from the podcast. Obviously, I, I left, and then Kyle and Riley, who are joining me today, were kind enough to break down that wonderful week of losses. It's so strange that I was gone during that week, but um, I, I felt pretty okay with it. But how are you both doing on this? Uh, we're recording Sunday evening after the Clippers game. We're doing okay, unfortunately. So we had really nice weather up here. And by nice, I mean it got above 40 yesterday and sunny. So I was able to go run outside, which is nice. But then today, we probably get another four or five inches of snow. Now it's going to melt right away. But winter is yet to release her grasp on us. So I'm mixed because of that, but otherwise doing okay. See, and we got the good weather the whole time. We have not gotten the snow that's supposed to come over. I don't think it's supposed to snow down here. It's just going to be cold and then it's going to get back up to being nice so was able to go outside for a couple walks enjoy the weather as much as i can i know there's going to be another snowstorm that's going to hit us in the next month or two so not trying to plan outdoor activities yet but spring is hopefully around the corner is is it our lane to like do the midwestern open and talk about the weather every week is that like Part of our angle to the podcast. I think, I think I so. Feel like I, I bring that up. Every, it was really brutal in February in particular, so I couldn't help but like talk about the fact that it was negative twenty degrees all the time. <laughs> well, that's but the thing. Like- it's either freezing cold, like below zero. You can't be outside for more than five minutes, or we've got hit with like eight inches of snow for the third day in a row. It, <laughs> there's no in between. And then there's Adam just chilling in Philly, and they get like two mm-hmm. inches and call it a nor'easter. Hey, hey. <laughs> It was, yeah, it wasn't that bad, but there was one <laughs> night, there was one night where it rained and it, the entire sidewalk and every piece of, of the, of the city was covered in ice and it was hard to walk around so that, you know, we're, we're really struggling to hire. The roads are not made for it outside my house. The road is literally collapsed in on itself from the cold. It's been so cold here. Uh, Wait, didn't, you say, to... didn't you say that there was a giant sinkhole or something right outside? There was like a yeah, there's like yeah, a the giant hole, street, enlarging hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was yeah. So that was actually two years ago in my old home, but it's happening again here in Philadelphia. <laughs> it's following it's, you. Yeah, the city of brotherly love. It's honestly incredible. It's just down the street. It's really huge. No one has said anything about it. We'll see what happens when they fill it in. It's just I'm, I'm on a small street, so not many people come through. But I'll tell you what was not a sinkhole of a week, was this week for the Milwaukee Bucks, who <laughs> certainly emerged with a far superior week compared to what we were used to. Now they are on a winning streak, so things are obviously looking up in Bucks land. And it started uh, this the week since the last game. The The Bucks beat the Sacramento Kings, started off the week with the Sacramento Kings win 128-115. to 115. Giannis has 38 points, 18 rebounds, 4 assists. Chris Middleton gets 32 points. Dante has 16 points. Overall, 
just a nice get well game for the Bucks, Kyle. Yeah, it was what they needed. Granted, they had a easier slate of opponents than what they had the previous week. I mean, out of the teams that they beat this week, you can say two of them are terrible. One of them is <laughs> meh. And then there's one good team, but it, it was a good week to have a bounce back. All these games were at home as well. So playing at home definitely gives Milwaukee more of an edge. And honestly, I think this was what they needed, and especially with Drew Holiday missing still for most of these games until today's game against the Clippers. It was good that they were able to still kind of find a rhythm. And Giannis has been ridiculous this week. I, it's kind of obscene. Look, looking at a stat line from this week, it's that's always going to help you win games. Let's just say that. The the one big thing, if there was going to be anything you could key in on against the Kings, is that I mean they're just an awful, like awfully coached team. Because it's been a long time since we saw a team be like, wow, our zone drop defense looks phenomenal. And this was the game. I mean, the Kings were horrendous. It was like, how often can we funnel De'Aaron Fox right into Brooke Lopez? So uh, Luke Walton, probably going to be, if for the good of the Kings franchise, he should probably be out of a job relatively soon because it doesn't seem like they had any sort of adjustment. It's a lot of like pick and roll, like Rashawn Holmes, people were really thirsty after him because he's slightly younger than Brooke Lopez and could hit some floaters. But other than that, it was like, if you're a guard, you're getting funneled into Brooke Lopez and it's going to be a tough attempt near uh, the rim for you. Um, and then on the other end, I think it's kind of the uh, the reverse of it is the fact that Marvin Bagley isn't all that good. I mean, he's young, but he's still not good. And Rashawn Holmes is slightly undersized. And so Giannis didn't really have a lot getting thrown at him that couldn't stop him necessarily. Jabari Parker, still sort of a sieve on defense. He didn't do a good job guarding Giannis necessarily. So it's just like... For the Kings, it was a very Kings-esque game. It was just kind of disaster on disaster. The first quarter was relatively close, and then I think the Bucks they scored like 42 points in the second quarter and blew it open at that point. And after that, it was just like, you know, again, with the Bucks, the thing is we're not as talented as we were a year ago, or like this, we're not as deadly as we were a year ago, but there's still enough talent here that if there's a disparity and any sort of lead gets built on, then it's going to be impossible for the other team to come back. And that's both in like the Sacramento game, um, the Timberwolves game, which we'll talk about in a second. That was pretty similar to in the second half there. And that was just kind of like one of the themes against, like Kyle said, against the terrible teams. Yeah. And I mean, the guys that you would think could exploit this Buck zone drop scheme in De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald, they also just did terrible. Mm-hmm. I think Buddy Heald shot like three of 13 or something. And so he did not have a good game. De'Aaron Fox didn't have a good game. I mean, the only bright spot for the Kings was their rookie, Halliburton. Shout out Oshkosh, Wisconsin. That was kind of cool to see. But yeah, Luke Walton is a terrible coach. How he still has a job, I don't know. I would not expect him to continue to have said job. At least if you want to actually try and be a serious organization, you should probably just fire that man right now. The the main issue for the Kings is like, what do they do to come back in a game? I don't even really know what De'Aaron Fox does besides be fast. And like, I know he's good, but I don't really know what he does. And it's like, Buddy Hill, like you said, a tough shooting night. And I remember Marcus is like, oh, Buddy Hill hit like a turnaround jumper and then a three on the next possession. And the Kings were down like 20 something. And Marcus was like, oh, watch out, Buddy Hill's going to try and shoot him back into this. I'm like, if that's going to be the solution that the Kings rely on. And and to be fair, that's what a lot of teams have relied on to beat the Bucks is just like have a dude or have a couple dudes shoot their way out of a hole. But at that point, it was kind of a wrap. So I don't know if there's much to really talk about 
the Kings besides they're a bad team and uh, they look bad. So, yeah, kind of a start to finish win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm just looking at Daquan Jeffries, shooting guard, 40 minutes. To be honest, I have not heard of him really before. I was gonna, <laughs> so that's the, other, that's the other thing about playing the Kings is you're going to get a mouthful of dudes. You're like, I have never even heard of this dude before in my life, and that's okay. You know, it keeps it interesting. You know, like Kyle Guy. I haven't heard of Kyle Guy before. Justin, James. I haven't heard of him since college. Like, I remember he was at like Virginia. I thought it was really cool of Justin James, once former Buck for like two days. He had a plus three on the night, one or two in a minute 30 of play. That's pretty, shout out to Justin James. I think that was one more, uh, he was just doing a little showcase. Oh, and I, we should note Harrison Barnes and Nemanja Bielitsa were also out. So once you lose those two guys, so it's not, the Kings aren't totally incompetent, but they were missing two of their guys as well, two of their more important guys. It was just I don't yeah. think either of those were going to make this game any different. Probably not. But well, and 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 they clearly Jeffries had to fill in after they didn't get Dante this offseason. Like we would have seen Wilson probably maybe get into the mix a little bit here <laughs> in an alternate universe. Ursa would have taken a few charges. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Honestly, forgot he was in the trade. Oh my god. Ursan Ursan has the Kings as his persona non grata list for costing him seven million dollars. He's like, I can't believe they did they did this to me. Oh. <laughs> So brutal for that, man. Well, something brutal the Bucks did was the next game against the Timberwolves. They won 139-112. to 112. Giannis continued on the tear. 37 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. Bryn Forbes was absolutely on fire fire from deep. 5 of 9 from deep, 23 points overall. The Bucks shoot 20 of 42 from deep. It was kind of close for some of the first half, but then the Bucks really hit a huge string of threes to close out the half, and then all of a sudden, you know, before you know it, they're up 62 to 79, basically heading into half. And at that point, Riley, there, there really wasn't going to be a chance for the Timberwolves to come back. No. And like, I'm trying to see if I can find what the offensive rating it was in the first half of both teams, but it was like really close. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it seems you could kind of feel it watching. It was like, okay, this feels relatively unsustainable. Like, I don't know, Malik Beasley is pretty good, but he, like, 6-9 from 3 for him is obviously a bit of an outlier. Um, Anthony Edwards, that dude's rough for a first-round overall pick, or first overall pick. I know he's, like, the athleticism and hope he adds on, but they run a lot of offense through him for a guy who's not all that, like, polished. Um, and then Carl Anthony Towns he's not a good defender. And so that showed in the second half. Um, I think part of the difficulty for the Timberwolves, and this is going to be like any team that's undersized is they were like, okay, we'll run cat at five, obviously. And then they either because of the way their roster is set up or um, the way that I know Chris Finch, this is his first game as the coach. So he's still got to figure things out, but they went with smaller lineups and then Cat at the five. And if that's going to be the case, it's just going to be Giannis feasting on them the entire second half. Um, and that just kind of played through. There wasn't much that they could throw at him necessarily. I think he was like perfect in the second half and didn't play in the fourth quarter. So once the Timberwolves kind of cooled off, the Bucks didn't cool off. Um, I think Bryn Forbes had a really great game from three. I think five and nine from three. So like you said, the Bucks hit a ton of threes. The Wolves hit a ton of threes in the first half as well. It's just a matter of they faded just enough that once the lineup started getting out of hand and Giannis kind of imposed himself again, it was kind of a wrap. And so once more, 
the talent disparity when there's a little bit of a gap in the lead that it kind of shows up for Milwaukee. Yeah, it's kind of tough. The Timberwolves are definitely a team in a continuous rebuild. And they're just going to end it at they're a, they are a team. (laughs) Just say they are a team. I was close to doing that. No, they are a team on a continuous rebuild, but you know what? Anthony Edwards had a pretty sick dunk and I don't care what the nerds say. We we are going to celebrate said dunk. And that's all I got on the Timberwolves. Were you guys nervous watching it all? Like maybe this, it'll happen to us. Which player was it going to be? I was like, don't let it be Giannis. Like, let no, it be it, or somebody, please. It was Sam probably Merrill. going. I figured Thanasis. I could see Thanasis getting dunked on by Anthony Edwards. Yeah, I, I just need to. I need to ask you guys something real quick, just as a brief aside. So I, I left. I left for a week. Left the pod for a week. I thought we were in sort of a specific spot with the roster, and it was that Thanasis wasn't going to play. And then I came back, sort of, to Bucks Hood. <laughs> And all of a sudden, Thanasis is mentioned by Zach Lowe. Thanasis is getting regular minutes, first quarter minutes again. And but the tide just because they're winning, it seems to be okay, based on the what I've been reading. So what what is what is happening here? It's the magic touch of Marcus Johnson. Everything that man touches or talks about turns to gold. He came up with, I believe it was either the Kings or the maybe he had it earlier, but he was really leading into the Thanasty. Uh, moniker in one of those games and that just it's like a domino effect as soon as Marcus Johnson gives us the okay it's as good as gold I think that's the big difference for difference for Thanasis yeah I was going to say like you know when you're just like struggling whether it's a video game or any game in general and then you just decide screw it I'm just gonna try something completely out there and hope that it works and maybe it doesn't necessarily give you the win the first time but at least it was something different it was working that's what's going on with the Nasus. Nothing, everything he's doing now is the same that he was doing before that drove us up a wall, but the Bucks are at least playing better. So therefore we're just like, just roll with it. Don't, don't ruin a good thing. It's working. This is not sustainable. This cannot happen in the playoffs, but you know what? For a couple of regular season games, let's roll. The, the thing about it. So if I was to be like a serious analysis of it, I agree with Cal. There's literally nothing changed. He's still like, He'll like say things to Giannis, like he passed to Giannis and like accidentally said like, oh, watch out for the guy behind you. And then Giannis turned it over because he traveled or whatever, because Giannis <laughs> is like warned him or whatever. But the, the, the thing is, we're now in the real thick of the regular season and we're going to start seeing teams where guys are like, I don't have the energy in game 40 to like dive on the floor or like really care about this because I have to consider the rest of the season. And Thanos is like, that's going to be my role. This is the time for me to thrive. So I'm not sure if it's necessarily <laughs> uh, other teams. They're adjusting in that they care less, uh, which is a type of adjustment. And Thanos is feasting like that. And in the past, it would be Dante who would feast. He'd be like, well, this is my time to shine to fly all over the place. Dante knows he's got to be earning the next contract. Thanasis knows his next contract's in the bag because Giannis is on the team. So he can just play with abandon. And I, I think that's probably one of the big differences. See, I think it's the opposite because I think Zach Lowe mentioned like Thanasis plays like every game is like his last NBA game. It's like that might actually be the case. Like this might be true. <laughs> this could be the last game Thanasis plays in the NBA. We don't know. So he's going to play like it is because I would put a good 60% odds. Yes, it might be his last time. Now that Giannis got the Supermax, John Horace needs to just be like, you know what? I really don't need this guy anymore. I got I got Giannis signed. We're good. No more serve, no more offers, no more favors. Let's actually get ourselves out of cap hell and 
try and make a roster. I don't know, but props to the Nasus. Um, I did want to note one more thing in the Timberwolves game off of Thanasis. We'll talk more about Thanasis as the season goes on. I'm sure he's a story that keeps on giving. Uh, DJ Augustine filling in for Drew. Uh, we made that move this past week. I know he didn't play against the Pelicans because uh, his, I think his latest child was born, right? Is that, that what happened? Yes. Um, he was pretty good against the Timberwolves. It, like, it's still a strange thing watching him because he slashes and like cuts the basket and it really doesn't seem like that's his game, but against the Timberwolves in particular, like there was a lot of good feats to like Brook. I think he had five assists. There was like even when he committed, he's been it seems more spry and more willing to like get under the basket and then kick it out to wherever's like on the opposite corner. And so it's like simple stuff, but I'm curious about the idea of him in the starting lineup where you have all these these other high powered, high powered guys around you instead of him at this place in his career trying to be the main creator with like Chris off to the side and trying to determine who's going to start it. Chris, do you start it? Do I start it? It, I'm not sure how you fit in here where you just have him bring it up, maybe start the set and then work it out from there. But I thought it was interesting that he seems to be rounding a little bit more into form. Now I think he was also, he was pretty horrible in the Kings game from like a shooting perspective, but in the two couple of games where he was in the starting lineup, I thought, pretty decent compared to what we had seen earlier in the season so far. So I don't know if you guys have DJ Augustine uh, comments to make. I think it helps when he is not the singular focus on the offense when he's with the starters. He's option four, maybe. You still have Giannis, you still have Chris, and now Dante's able to kind of thrive off of that, as we saw in some other games. It's kind of nice for him where he can still drive. He can make those passes. And it's a little bit easier when you have Giannis and Brooke and Chris to make those passes too. And they're a little bit more assured NBA players that can catch the ball. While when he's running the bench unit, it's like you're out there with Pat Connaughton. You're out there with Thanasis. You're out there with Bobby Portis, where other than Bobby Portis, you're probably not getting much offensive output besides, you know, a jump shot from Pat or Bryn. They're going to like get a couple shots up, but. There's not a lot of movement. While with the starters, you have the movement from Dante. You have the movement from Giannis. You have Brooke who can either go down low or hover around the three-point line. And I think it just makes it easier for Augustine to make the passes that he needs to or drive when he has to. I mean, even though he is terrible at finishing at the rim, he does draw a lot of fouls and he does get to the free throw line a good amount of time. So it is a nice trade-off. But I don't know with Drew Healthy if it makes because if you put DJ Augustine in the starting line instead of Dante, then you have the problem of, okay, you have no ball handler on your bench. And while they got away with it on Thursday, I don't think that's a sustainable thing to roll with come playoff time. Yeah, I just, I, I'm trying to figure out like the best way to maximize those bench minutes because I think our starting lineup is going to be relatively rock solid and then we'll figure out the closing lineup, whether or not it'll be a small one, but I'm just trying to figure out like what are the best ways to maximize the bench minutes. And a lot of those are going to come with either Drew or Chris on the floor. And so I'm almost like inclined to, if you take DJ Augustine away and you're like, okay, uh, Chris, it's you, you have Bobby Portis as your pressure valve as a guy who will just, he does, he's never seen a shot he doesn't like, but we want you to try and create either you're going to be the one taking the shots or like working to find other guys shots. And if that's like the most efficient way to do bench minutes, because I think in that sort of role, Chris is maybe better ish than DJ Augustine is part of, I don't know. It's just something I was thinking about is like, how do we get the best out of these bench minutes? And maybe now it's a move point now that the Drew is back. Um, so I don't know, just something I was thinking about this week. 
Yeah, Augustine was uh, shooting-wise objectively terrible in the Kings game. But for the T-Wolves, <laughs> 4 of 6 was pretty solid, 2 of 4, 5 assists. I do feel like <clears throat> the people that he needs to be paired with, he needs to be paired with someone. Obviously, Giannis is, is good, but like anyone who is a strong roller, I really don't think Augustine this year is excelling at kicking out to any sort of shooters. So that's why I think the bench units are not very good for him. Mm-hmm. I feel like we saw, even in the Clippers game, like a decent amount of short roll passes where he keeps the dribble alive and then he finds someone's really close or he might find someone under the basket. Most of the time when he would get in trouble, I mean, at the very least, when he's under the basket in some of these games, now he's still kicking out to shooters as opposed to trying to shoot it himself, which is gone really poorly this year. But I just, I don't think, I think he gets, he's so small. I think it's hard for him to find anyone on the perimeter from there. And then he, he just works so much better when it's Giannis or Chris or Drew driving and Augustine is spacing in those scenarios. And then Augustine is used more as as a roller or finding a back a backside cutter. So I, I do think he's actually been decent and shown signs of life in terms of uh, of a playmaker in those regard. But I, I I think the move to the starting lineup and having more players who can roll to the basket with him as opposed to being like, okay, I need to kick it to Pat or I guess Torrey Craig might be able to make this. Bryn Forbes is out there. I just don't think he's as good. And I don't know, I didn't watch him much before, but I, I just haven't felt like he's been able to make those passes as much this year. Okay. Sounds good. And it just feels like he's because he's one of like the big free agent acquisitions and ostensibly he's the second guard off the bench or like the lead point guard off the bench is like, well, I have to try and conceptually figure out what his role is going to be. And it doesn't feel like the team or him has really found the right groove yet, which isn't the end of the world. It's still, you know, plenty of time to work that out. Yeah, I think we know what the role is. It's just tough to have him fully executed as well as we would hope. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, at the very least, he's definitely been better these last two weeks or so than he was any week prior, it felt like, in the season. So good to see signs of life from him. Next game the Bucks played was a 129-125 victory over the New Orleans Pelicans. Giannis had 38 points, 10 rebounds. No, for I don't assists. want to hear about Giannis. This is not about Giannis. This is not about Giannis. This is not about Chris. This is not about any of them. Play the clip. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. It's time for the biggest Dante's Inferno you've ever heard. This power, Dante. We can use it together. I think I can be a professional basketball player. All right, it's time to talk about this. Was his game to shine? (laughs) This was his game to shine. It was excellent. Good on him. You know, it's uh. He it was was it almost like the the perfect Dante game? There's a lot of mix of like doing stuff, playmaking, made threes. I mean, more than like two threes in a game. He was efficient. It was a beautiful game all around from him. Salute to you, Dante. I didn't think you had this in you. I fully knew he had this in him. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but it was kind of funny. Like for the first three quarters, it was pretty much Giannis and Dante doing everything they could to offset whatever Zion was doing. It was kind of impressive where Dante, and this was, again, DJ Augustine was not available. Childbirth, yeah, that makes sense why he wasn't there. So Bobby Porter starts. You have no point guard. Dante kind of took that role, and he thrived in it, and it was impressive. He was It was a typical Dante game where he was able to do everything. It was beautiful. It was great. You know, 
I really hope he was going to get a triple double, but it, like I said, those first three quarters had it not been for Dante, this game would have been a blowout. So he was able to steady the ship. And then Chris was finally able to show up later in the fourth quarter. Good on him. But this was all about Dante. Dante was making the key plays. Dante was the reason this game was what it was. It, this was the Dante DiVincenzo game that I hope he could surpass later this year. Feels a little bit like this might be so this kind of game. I don't expect him to do that all that often. I'm not sure how much more now. This is Dante, if you're listening, and I know you are. Prove the haters wrong, my friend. Keep having even greater games. But like in this sort of system, in this his role with this team as like sort of a utility guy, does a little bit of everything, as we've discussed. Like, I'm not sure how much higher I could because. Dante's not like a high usage guy. I don't imagine he doesn't like really create his shot necessarily all that well. Um, so like, I'm not sure how much more I can expect to go past like 24 points, nine assists and seven rebounds. That's a pretty excellent game. Like, and I know people were like, Oh, if, if Dante could do this in like a playoff series, I mean, even if he did it once, I'd be like, wow, that's amazing. And hopefully you would get the win there. But I think it, like we said, so all, all credit to him as like the utility guy. Yes, DJ Augustine is gone, so he has to take on a little bit more of a role as a ball handler in particular. Um, but we've seen in the past where he does that and he struggles and like turns it over quite a bit or isn't able to get, it's not like necessarily a crisp passer. Um, so in this case, he fulfilled his role perfectly. And like Kyle said, he anchored the team in the first half. He kind of faded off in the second half, but Chris stepped up at that point. So it's kind of a moot point, but I don't know good game from Dante this is what you want for utility guys every once in a while have a really show out game where you excel on both ends of the floor and he did it so uh you know another sign that he is a true blue NBA player Dante DiVincenzo you know he was looking like Jordan at times just getting to the rim <laughs> getting those I'm layups somebody, hitting I'm those glad shots. somebody said it <laughs> I'm just saying Dante in the first half was starting to look a little bit like Jordan he put the team on his back carried them when they needed to it was it was a beautiful sight. It was a beautiful yeah. sight. You know the Kings were ruined the fact that they ruined that trade by blowing <laughs> it up with Woj. You know they're like, damn, he could have been doing that for us. I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah, I did watch it, and I was like, I, to be honest, I feel bad. I was like expecting him to absolutely go crazy, and a lot of it was like the points, and and it was mostly just him making threes. <laughs> but but still, <laughs> I, know, but so I didn't watch it live. I watched the game later, so like the tweets were like Dante. Oh, God. So I was going in. I was like, I was expecting him to be like leaping over dudes and like doing. And it was like, oh, catch and shoot three. But did you see his three. block? He got a yeah. block from the far. <laughs> okay. That was yeah. a beautiful block. Just yeah, right out the glass. Yeah. I, no, yeah, I wouldn't I watch it live. It was great. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. That's good. That's good. You should have that. Everyone had that moment. I'm glad Dante had this game. Definitely some. I mean, nine assists is a lot. A ton of them were like you made the most important rallies that we've seen him try to do this multiple times. And he only had one turnover this game. You Most of the time it's him going in, somehow losing his dribble, kind of weirdly falling to the floor somehow, even though I don't know how he did that. But the, the nine assists were good. It was great guys back cutting. It was him finding other, other players as he was driving to the rim. Really tight rotation in this game, given that DJ Augustine was out. It was basically Pat and Forbes were the mostly the only bench players. Thanasis got eight minutes. Sam Merrill got eight minutes as well, but I mean, that's that's not very extensive. But the, the main matchup here was Zion v. Giannis for the most part. So as, as stated earlier, Giannis, 38 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. Zion, it seemed like in the first half, was basically getting anything he wanted. He was 11 of 15, 
at the half with 24 points. Anything he wanted. Second half, Bucks tighten up at least a decent amount. Bud starts with Brooke guarding Zion. I thought he did a much better job in the second half, but a decent job most of the game. Zion, I thought, abused Portis quite a bit uh, when there were switches at all, which is going to happen. But it did feel like it did feel like Kyle in the second half. Main key to the Bucks' victory was slowing down Zion, preventing him from getting scoring at the rim quite so efficiently. Yeah, and it was also helpful that. Lonzo Ball and Eric Bledsoe weren't hitting 93s in this game. Grant Alonzo Ball is still shooting the three ball well, but that also cooled off in the second half. And a good chunk of that was Milwaukee's effort. It was kind of like when they played Vucevic in the Orlando series last year, where let this guy get all his points. That's fine. But we're not going to let the other four players hurt us. If we can at least keep it so that Zion takes all the shots, Zion's getting two pointers every time. Okay, we can live with it. And props to Brooke in the second half defensively. He made a lot of key stops. Him and Giannis were doing a great job slowing Zion down. I think part of it was also poor Pat Connaughton. He was trying his best, but he would sometimes get switched onto Zion and it's not going to end well. But I, I don't know like what big tactical adjustment they made, but it seemed as though having Pat not on Zion and then letting Giannis and Brooke kind of just go straight up. Don't try and block his shots. Just go straight up just alter it, make him adjust, and that kind of paid off. And I think that was what was needed because Brandon Ingram wasn't really hurting Milwaukee. Alonzo Ball still hit a couple shots, but he wasn't super hurting Milwaukee. Josh Hart, J.J. Redick, Eric Bledsoe, like all of them didn't do much, and it kind of just focused on Zion. And while Steven Adams was still getting offensive rebound, that's again, that is something that you could live with. Is there any particular reason Stan Van Gundy has a eight dude rotation? Uh, literally, there's six players that did not play in that game, and I can't imagine they're all useless. But maybe, maybe they are, and we're just finding out. Um, yeah. So like Zion, he's a strange player because obviously he's a strange. He's like 300 pounds, but like moves like a sprinter. He's a really, <laughs> it's really, it's kind of a trippy experience watching him play. You're like, wow, that's he really just flew right past Brooke Lopez in the paint. Um, and so he's a tough guy to guard. I think they did the Milwaukee did the right or made the right decision. Having Brooke is like, okay, the best we're going to do here is just have a big body. Like Kyle said, alter it and just absorb the contact. And you don't want Giannis down there, every possession absorbing the contacts over and over again. Cause that's just not going to be helpful for him uh, on either end of the floor. The, the thing about Zion though, too, is like, he doesn't seem to it's not that he doesn't care but he definitely doesn't put in all the same effort on defense and so there was a lot of times where it's like okay he's just traffic going in out there which is fine because he's like scoring 30 plus points and is a force of nature on offense but there was a lot of times where it's like especially late in the game either Giannis or Brooke they would like drag Steven Adams around to Brooke because Brooke obviously spaces we discussed this before it's like if you have one true big guy who's able to defend you have to choose between Giannis and Brooke and whoever the other guy is has to take advantage of that. In this case, they put Steven Adams on Brooke and they t- kind of did like Zion slash committee on Giannis. And it was, you know, Giannis got a lot of pretty decent looks in the second half in particular. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, he's a, Zion's a weird guy. I don't really know what to make of this game. He's obviously really great offensively, but I, I wonder if the defensive inability or lack of energy is going to hurt him. And I think, late in the fourth quarter that was probably one of the key differences i guess and also chris heating up he he definitely took up 
a lot of the load scoring, especially where uh, Dante kind of tailed off into that first half. <clears throat> yeah, Chris came to through, I think it was like around 14 points in the fourth quarter. So obviously a huge, huge close by him. The, the the defensive stuff that really hurt the Bucks in the first half was really any time the Pelicans put Zonis excuse geez, Zonis. that was a weird Zonis. <laughs> they, right. put, they put Zion in a pick and roll and they forced Brooke to kind of manage that because mm-hmm. the Bucks the Bucks were switching a little, but then you know, not not always switching because clearly it was starting to hurt them and it was just any time the miscommunication was off by a second, you do a pocket pass to Zion and then it was just straight home it happened yeah Yeah, it happened it happened a lot in the first half that was what a lot of the issues came from that's that's one of the things i've i've secretly loved about the switching defenses even though it's been awful at times and like does not function some of the dudes that brooke gets switched out on like on the perimeter i'm like let's just see how this happens how this works i'll like go back to the i'll like rewind 15 (laughs) seconds like how did brooke get stuck out on like Kawhi Leonard on the perimeter, like, what do we, what kind of switch? Oh, it was just a basic, like, pick and roll switch. Okay. I, I, that's one of the most fun parts is, like, watching Brooke try to figure out. The team is not doing him any sort of favors with the way things are covered. It's like, Brooke, you just, you do it. You you got it, man. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was definitely interesting at times. I think, like, Brooke would end up on, like, Lonzo Ball or Josh Hart. It's like, how, oh, God, this is, this is going to end well. Nope, not at all. And, of course, Brooke didn't fully go out and everyone's like, why is Lonzo somehow having a career night against so It's like he's shooting 47 from three this month. This is not surprising. It's just that he has wide open threes because, unfortunately, Brooke Lopez gets switched onto him and he's in no man's land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I d- and I obviously don't know anything about basketball compared to smart people, but I did think it was strange. I just had this in my – I wrote this down. In the third quarter when they do a switching lineup of Forbes, Connaughton, Merrill – Thanasis and Giannis I'd, I maybe just oh, go zone God. or something but like just let just give him something easy easy to execute I so I wrote earlier this morning when I was looking through it I was like that has to be one of the most insane lineups we run now we were <laughs> down a couple of men so I understand why it happened but it definitely like we've discussed before with the switching offense it, or switching defense it gives you shades of Jason Kidd era it's like we're just gonna chase the ball around that's what this is <laughs> like we're just gonna swing it around the perimeter and Sam's gonna run after it and then Dante's gonna run or like uh, Forbes is gonna run after it. it's definitely uh, you know, there's there are some limitations depending on what your personnel is on the court to running a switching defense. Yeah, it was. I think they did go zone for like a two minute stretch after a timeout. I think they did go zone. I was like, you know what? Go for it. Why not? But it's not good when Chris Weber is able to point out some of your problems, considering Chris Weber. I don't know if he actually knew what the hell is going on that whole match. Yeah, let's get into that, Kyle. Kyle, what were, what were your top three Marv Albert, Chris Weber gaffes in that game? <laughs> All right, so number three, I'm going to go with, once again, them mentioning that Thanasis is Giannis's younger brother mm-hmm. when they made the same mistake earlier. Like, they made the same mistake. Like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. So that was number three. Number two is the phone ringing, just because... <laughs> <laughs> why a phone is going off in the middle of the broadcast i don't know i thought it was my own phone for a second i was just and i thought i thought a lot of these times like did i just hear that or is that did everyone hear it is that just me going insane they make, they make you think you're crazy that's the beauty yeah. on the tnt broadcast is they make you think you're actually going insane and number i was tied for number one so one of them is when middleton was called pat middleton <laughs> <laughs> 
that that is that was a moment. Um, and the other was Marv Albert explaining the whole Adetokumbo family dynamic. <laughs> God, apparently there's another brother called the Lexus, which he said older brother Lexus, and I was like, I don't even know if he's talking about the Nasses. I don't know if he's talking about Francis. I don't know if he's talking about Alex. Like I'm so lost because I what please is he talking about Alex? Because Alex is still. I think he just graduated high school. Like he's just, he just went like pro overseas. He's not, he's the youngest out of the five. And then you have, and then we're talking about Francis and it's like, where, where are you guys getting like, okay, you're correct. But where did this come from? Like, what does any of this have to do? Then I'm talking about Kostas and how he got a ring. I think he played like, I think they said like, he only played like 40 something minutes that whole season. It was just, uh, that whole dynamic of marvel trying to explain is like where i don't know how this started i don't know where this is going i don't know why this is still a thing we are eight year what eight or nine years in Giannis's nba career we don't need to do this every single time there's a national broadcast game okay what yeah, just one, one before you go riley one quick addition that part was amazing like truly one of the greatest moments in broadcast history because marv <laughs> is like Clear out. He's like, all right, Chris, I know last game you were a little confused about the Antetokounmpo brothers, so let me explain it all to you. And then he gets it all wrong. He calls Costas Costas, and he's yeah. like, not like Bob Costas, yep. but Costas. Drafted by the Lakers. That's not true. He was drafted by the Mavericks, and then now he's on the Lakers. But whatever you want to say, Marv. And then the other one I wanted to add was when – I'm sorry. It was so freaking funny. was when, when Sam Merrill is in the game, and he's like – DJ Wilson has checked in recently <laughs> for the Bucks. Oh <laughs> just... God, I forgot about that too. <laughs> and I, I realized I realized later it was probably he probably only saw the five on the jersey or something, mm-hmm. and so he thought it was DJ Wilson. But like, it's just a tough look for for the guy Marv. But oh my God, oh. they're really they're hamstrung by so. Marv probably in the arena is already a tough go. He's like, God only knows what kind of screen he's watching on from home. So, you know, it's it's already they're working from behind the A ball. The other thing is, and I don't know who, somebody tweeted this, but they're so right. The main problem is Chris Weber and Marv Albert have no chemistry whatsoever. It's not that they hate each other, but it's like, you know, you just randomly throw in with a coworker and you're like, okay, you're just going to be you're on a project together now. You're like, okay, I guess we'll make it work. And they've been like a, a broadcast partnership for like years now haven't they like two or three seasons? oh yeah it's been like at least three years oh jesus so yeah that's that's <laughs> i didn't so for me i muted the game is the second i knew it was marv albert and chris weber I'm like <laughs> i'm not putting myself through this so i do regret a little bit missing all those highlights but uh yeah it's a tough tough situation for them there were times where i just got distracted from the game because i was trying to process what the hell they were saying and then all of a sudden i was like oh dante got away okay chris hit a three what is the score now? Wait, how did this happen? And that it was a mess. I don't think they have another TNT game until like April. Thank God. But I can't. I can't, Next time I'm keeping a track of all the mistakes that are made. Gosh, that was bad. And, and it's just still so bad because clearly they're not synced up. And Chris Weber continues to interrupt Marv about five times a game, which is just really tough. But anyway, Bucks beat the Pelicans. Some delightful poetic justice with. Eric Bledsoe missing the three that would have tied the game in the waiting seconds. That was truly delightful. I don't know if anyone has any thoughts on that, but that was pretty sweet. Uh, well, uh, I was I was going to try and avoid sinking that low, but I'm glad that you dove in <laughs> head first. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, I still love Eric Bledsoe, and I feel bad that he missed the shot. But 
I like that the Bucks won. And I like that the Bucks also <laughs> beat the Los Angeles Clippers on Sunday, 105 to 100. Giannis with 36 points, 14 rebounds, five assists. Absolutely huge down the stretch. 17 of the Bucks' last 20 points. Chris with 19 points, six rebounds, eight assists. Drew returns, clearly looks a little rusty. Confirmed that he tested positive for coronavirus, had symptoms, had to quarantine in his basement for what sounded like 11 days. Really tough situation for him, but great to see him back on the court. Biggest story from this one, Riley, seemed like at the end when the Bucks are down 196, basically go on a 9-0 run, close out the game in a way that we probably haven't seen very much this season. Yeah, and it's not even the Bucks; it was Giannis. Uh, we've talked for what feels like forever about Giannis not being a closer because he doesn't take the final shot. And it's like, people have to understand, you don't have to be the last shot taker. In this case, he was the last shot taker in a very emphatic way, emphatic way. But you don't have to be that in the fourth quarter to be a closer. And this guy did everything. He blocked <laughs> Zubach out of nowhere. He got Paul George at the apex. He was getting rebounds. He did a corner three with the game on the line. Dunks, passes, whatever you needed from Giannis to be the winning play, he was out there doing it. And like, it, so they go down... I think it was the end of the third quarter, there was the possession where Brooke didn't even bother to contest an offensive rebound from Patrick Beverly. And from there, the Bucks. I don't think they scored for like four minutes straight because I think Giannis went off the court and it was like Chris and Brooke and maybe some subs or something like that. And then fourth quarter comes around and you start grinding your way back. Giannis is like <laughs> every tough shot, like running, like rim running, like kind of getting off the glass. And you could... It was such a joy to watch because we've seen in the past Giannis, he's in transition, he's galloping, and you can almost see in his mind where he's like identifying where everybody is on defense. And in the past, it'd be like, okay, there's sort of a wall there, but it's not fully set. So I'm going to see if I can get there before they do. Then he gets in the wall and then he passes out. He's like, okay, well, crap, now I have to pass. In this game, in the second half, especially when he's not the one scoring, he was like, well, there's DJ Augustine over there. He's literally standing by himself. Let me just pass it over there. Gets to DJ. DJ passes it one to Chris, and Chris takes a three or something. And like that went over and over. He was making the decision two steps before the defense knew what he was going to do. And it's that sort of stuff that makes him that much better because it's like, yes, he's really um, deadly in like a quick moment, but if he can make the decision ahead of time, even if it's not like the smartest player or whatever, or like the most efficient, um, I don't know. It, it, it just worked. It really, really worked. I, I don't really know what else to say. He was just, he was excellent. It was a lot of fun to watch. Kyle. Then Kyle maybe, died. So Kyle may be frozen. So I'm going to clear out the paint here. Like Giannis had on that last mm -hmm. possession when he dunked it. it the thing and it was a through line this whole last week, uh, very clearly. Giannis is dominating in, in the post. He's patient in the post, too. He's he's making some a lot more push shots. I don't think they went down quite as much in this Clippers game, but he really is looking so much more patient when he gets to the rim. Doris Burke had a great stat that he had only had two charges during the month of February. He did get one in this game, but... You know, all things considered, that was one of the seemingly one of the most annoying parts of the early part of the season was all of the charges that he was getting, all of those different elements. That was really quite frustrating. But in this one, I mean, he would go in, 
he would potentially have an opportunity where players would get in his face and he would kick it out. He did the same sort of thing in transition. And then e- even late, I mean, it was the Bucks looking for mismatches for him when they, they decided to go to the small lineup, Giannis at the five down the stretch to counter the Clippers, which was a smart choice. The Clippers didn't have Serge Ibaka on the floor. I forget who all was out there, but I think it was like Leonard, Beverly, George, Batum, maybe Terrence Mann, or one other one other guard out there. But anyway, Giannis is clearly the biggest guy on the floor. They attack that on sideline out-of-bounds plays. They just pass it to him. They try and get him down in the post. And he was absolutely destroying the Clippers down low, which is what which is what we wanted him to do. That was that is sort of the idealized version of what the Giannis at five can do against a small ball lineup. And it sure seemed like Kyle Giannis was willing to take the reins, willing to score down low, and, and took every opportunity to defeat the Clippers in a small lineup, which is which is what we want. That's a, that's basically what we all want out of a small ball Giannis at five lineup. Okay. So, yes, Giannis with the small ball lineups, it was good to see because he was able to get whatever he wanted at the rim, even with Serge Ibaka there. Even like he had a post move where he got in the post and Ibaka was kind of bodying him a little bit and he just did a quick spin to get a dunk out of it. And you saw Chris Middleton was able to throw a couple pass, lob passes to him in the post, which led to and ones and layups and dunks. So it was good that the offense was kind of flowing through Giannis. And even even though he was still hitting those jumpers, he was still hitting threes in the corner. Giannis was still doing most of his damage in the paint and most of his damage near the rim. And that was really good because it seemed as though there were points in the fourth quarter where I didn't know if the Clippers were going to pull away with it. It seemed like Giannis would get a layup and then Morris would hit a three or Giannis would get a layup and then Paul George would hit a shot or Kawhi would hit a shot. It just seemed as though this was going to be one of those games where maybe the Bucks just can't like the Clippers are finally going to hit those tough shots that those players are supposed to be hitting and they just didn't. And it got to the point where the last four minutes, it kind of just was Giannis was going to be able to get anything he wanted, and he was hitting his free throws as well. I think that's been a big thing for him was hitting those free throws down the stretch because if he had missed you know, one or two of those, then maybe he gets into his head, maybe his psyche is all off, and he doesn't get those free throws in Milwaukee, probably doesn't win that game. But it seems as though whatever momentum Giannis has gotten from the previous week. I mean, as we saw this week, he scored like around, I think he's averaged like 34 points in the month of February. So whatever is going on, he's been able to play through it. And it, it just showed that he just kept it really simple. I can't really think of too many times where Giannis took a dumb shot. You know, he still does his occasional pull up three. He still does his, you know, dribble around and not do anything, but it seems as though those that's happening less and less. And especially in this game in the fourth quarter, he was able to get the ball, get to the rim, or get the ball to post, get it up as soon as you can, get an open shot, and quickly shoot it. So good on him. Good on DJ Augustine for being ready to hit that corner three. Good on Dante DiVincenzo for his defensive contributions. I mean, he was everywhere as well. He was trying to jump passing lanes as much as he could. Brooke Lopez, you know, got a couple of key things. It, Pat Connaughton, near the end, did not fly by on that three. I was shocked. He kept... I shed a single tear. One single tear went down. I was like, that's beautiful. I can't believe it. I never thought I'd live to see the day. It, it was kind of like in those movies where you know the person always screws up and like the one time they don't, it was like it slows down and everyone's thinking, oh no. And then he doesn't. Everyone's like, oh, this is a miracle. <laughs> that's what that moment felt like with Pat not flying by on that pump fake for the three. I, so 
the trends with this game was like through up until that, that Brooke Lopez uh, giving out the offensive rebound and the uh, Pat Beverly, the Bucks were pretty much in control. Now they didn't really like get far. I think they got to like maybe a ten or twelve point lead at the out like at the furthest through that. But up until that point, they were in control. Um, the Clippers kind of set the pace a little bit, but the Bucks were pretty much getting everything they wanted on the offensive end. In that fourth quarter, those final four minutes in particular, they go small, like we said, small ball lineup. There was a lot of interesting stuff there because when you go small like that, on the one one hand, you're saying, okay, Giannis, you're going to have to be like the primary defenders while cleaning up everything. And also you're going to take whoever the biggest guy is. But it's that kind of lineup that makes them so dangerous because when you have four quick guys or like four shooters around Giannis, and we saw it on that very final possession, which was a thing of beauty. I don't think we've seen ball movement like leading to a dunk like that in probably years with this team. And in that, that sort of situation where it's like, okay, the Clippers go a little bit small. You'd be like, well, maybe we should be a little worried. And then Dante comes up and he like flares out to whoever is like PG or Paul George or Kawhi on like switches with Chris. And he like immediately crowds them. He doesn't let them get any sort of room. And they were the main offensive creators. So like excellent from him. Him, he gets rebounds. Giannis, obviously, again, still getting every shot he wants, and the Clippers don't even bother trying to contest him on that final dunk as he, like, seals the game. I just thought it was interesting that, good, that Budenholzer recognized that, okay, the Clippers have gone small, they're killing us, because Brooke is not able to keep up with whoever the weak side guy is in the corner. Um, And Giannis wasn't helping him by, like, not trusting him on defense either, which is kind of tough. But Budenholzer makes that adjustment, goes small, brings Giannis in the five, and then that lineup actually goes all the way and secures the win. Drew was excellent in the final possession, faking, getting out, kicking out, which led to the series of events, which leads to the Giannis dunk. Like I said, Dante, really great defense. Giannis, great blocks near the end. Like It was just a whole team performance to secure it. And we haven't seen the team execute that well, possession after possession after possession to close a game against competition like that. So I thought... I would say this is probably the marquee win of the season, um, just in terms of level of competition and then the stakes that were at the very end there, which they haven't necessarily lived up to in the past. I would agree. I felt like the defense in particular was certainly, they still can give up open threes. I'd be really curious to look at the numbers of how many wide open threes. It felt significantly better this game in terms of the number of, of wide open threes they were giving up, especially down the stretch. I thought it was really solid D on both George and Kawhi, almost every possession. The other interesting thing was of course that Giannis was guarding Kawhi basically the whole game and Kawhi was guarding Giannis. So we saw one of the reasons Bud has been reticent to do that normally is they just basically stuck Giannis in pick and rolls repeatedly and he could get caught up on screens, which, which certainly can happen. And we certainly saw it this game. I thought he did a decent job of, of handling it. Like I, I still don't think that's an ideal situation. I think he still gets caught up pretty easily on screens, but he thought he did. I thought he did a decent job. Bucks did a decent job of, they weren't switching too much this game. They were doing like really hard hedges and recovering and pick and roll, which I actually think is okay with Dante, but I hate a ton with DJ Augustine when he does that. And that's basically like the only way they can use him in pick and roll coverage. Mm -hmm. But I did think Giannis did a pretty good job on Kawhi Leonard, and it was nice to see Kyle just see Bud be like, okay, if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George do some pick and roll and it's Giannis and Chris, just switch it. Just switch it. We don't have to overthink it. Just switch that, and we can just see that that's that's how the defense is supposed to work. 
Yeah, it kind of helps with those two players in Kawhi and Paul George that they're kind of similar in their, I guess, I don't want to say offensive ability because I feel as though they take, they're both willing to take the tough mid-rangers that they have to. They both can shoot well from three, so you can't leave them open. So it makes it a little bit easier for them to switch. And I think we kind of saw at times Drew Holiday would also pick up on Kawhi Leonard if Giannis wasn't in. And I think a healthy, fully 100% Drew Holiday might be the one that's assigned that role a little bit more moving forward if you know they're ever in a playoff series but it was kind of good to see you know keep the switching simple between those two players you know you're not sacrificing anything you're not losing anything kind of the same thing when it was like lou williams and pat beverly like if they're switching like if there's those two will switch that it's very simple don't get caught up obviously when you start getting to guys like nicholas batum then and serge Ibaka, then it's a little bit tougher but i think Props to Bud. He kind of saw that Brooke Lopez wasn't necessarily working as well in that final stretch. So he took him out, let Giannis at the five, run with that. And it was, I think that was the key to winning and good on Bud for making that adjustment. Cause I feel as though, you know, maybe early beginning of the season or even last year, he probably doesn't make that move. I want to give a, a shout out to Chris. Uh, sort of quiet ish for him. I mean, 19 points is not nothing, but it's sort of sort of a quiet ish night from him offensively. But like you said earlier, Adam, the one one of the big things that set up was like if there is a mismatch to be had on the on the offensive end, Giannis is going to hunt it out. And it was like so many times for Patrick Beverly, he was like, I'm just trying to like Giannis is two feet taller than me. I'm just trying to stand here. And we've had a lot of difficulty in the past having guys who can get an entry pass properly to Giannis in particular, whether that be up and over the top of the defense um, or even just like a basic, like around an initial defender to Giannis, for example, in this game, whether it be inbounds passes or Chris in the flow of the offense, recognizing seeing Giannis and getting it accurately up and over to him. That also made the offense so easy for him because it's like, well, I don't have to charge in because I'm I'm in the paint. I'm past the wall. They're not going to throw a wall at me now. Then the next step, it's no longer Giannis's responsibility. It's some other player to get the ball to him. And for the most part, that seemed to be somewhat difficult for guys. In this game in particular, Chris, that connection between those two, um, I think they even connected for an alley-oop. So credit to him as well for getting Giannis easy baskets to kind of help mix things up from all the, like, I'm going to charge into him, working around Serge Ibaka, those kinds of shots. Yeah, that was just that last Giannis dunk was just such a thing of beauty. I mean, beyond just the whole possession itself, it was just wonderful to see him slam that home and see the joy in his face. Gosh. I thought the game. I thought the game was over. I like forgotten that there was still ten <laughs> seconds left. I was like, we win. I was like, oh wait, we still got to defend one more possession. But it was it was so like emphatic. There was so much power behind it, and like the fact that he was like skipping down the court. I was like, wow, we just won the game and. Yeah, obviously we had plenty of the game, but I was like, what what an exciting sequence of events. And you love to see that for no, it's not like Giannis hitting a jump shot at the buzzer or whatever, but screw that. I'd much rather him like slam home a dunk to put you up three with 10 seconds left. It was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I especially when it's like two good teams. I it looks kind of like the Nets game where, you know, it was two good teams, they're throwing punches back and forth. It's this. That's kind of the times where it's like, okay, regular season basketball is really, really good to watch, and this is a prime example of a game and then how it ends. And yeah, I also thought I was like, yeah, this game's over, and I was like, oh, they still got to defend the three. Oh crap! And then Pat Connaughton was like, watch out, watch this. <laughs> this is my <laughs> time. <laughs> and that's two straight games now where the books, I think, were zero and eleven coming into that Pelicans game. 
when they either trailed or were tied after three quarters. Two straight games then where they notched victories, so good to see from the Bucs. Really solid win, probably the biggest win of the year against the Los Angeles Clippers. Before we go to a break, I want to talk very briefly about the All-Star break. It's coming up. Giannis is an All-Star starter. Chris Middleton is not on the All-Star team. Any any feelings from either of you about the, the snub? Are you upset? Are you agnostic? How do you feel, Kyle? It's like it would have been nice for Chris to make it. I think Chris deserved to make an all-star team. I question guys like Julius Randle and Vucevic making it. I feel as though Chris had a better case over those two. But at the end of the day, eh, whatever. It's an all-star game. The players don't even want to play in this damn game. So, like, whatever. Just give them their bonus for making it. Let's move on. Like, let's not play. Let's not do an unnecessary exhibition game that's going to be they're doing new, the new rules again, like with Kobe and everything. I was like, okay, this is not going to be, this is going to be a mess. Whatever. There shouldn't even be an all-star game at this point. So good. Congrats to Giannis. Bummer for Chris. You know what though? Stay at home with your family. Have a good time. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I was like, ah, oh, that'd be kind of cool for like legacy to be like a three-time all-star. Um, and it, that doesn't even preclude him from maybe even getting there in the future seasons because it doesn't look like he's slowing down all that significantly yet. Um, I think he was hurt by the fact that he wasn't playing at the same level the past like two weeks prior to this winning streak in particular. Um, and so I don't know how many, I know the coaches picked the reserves, so maybe there was some recency bias there, but I'm not worried about it. Um, him not, I'd rather he rest. I'd, honestly, I'd rather they like not play it just so Giannis could rest. Um and so if it was like one thing where if it'd be one thing if this is a normal season and we were going to the All-Star game, because I thought last year's All-Star game was super exciting with like the how does is it Elam? Is how do you pronounce it? Whatever the Elam ending is, I thought that was so it's like, oh, that'd be cool to watch. But in this where everybody's gonna be kind of half-hearted, like, oh, we're in Atlanta, cool, or whatever. Uh it doesn't get me excited. So I'm happy for Giannis, of course. Um, Chris be cool for legacy purposes, but not too worried about how that impacts obviously the rest of the season. So I'm not too broken up about it. Yeah. Same here. I, I don't particularly care. Although I, I will say for the people who are like, well, he shouldn't have, you know, it's kind of a bummer. He just swooned for the last two weeks or something, but I, I was particularly annoyed that he couldn't handle double teams against the Toronto Raptors. Like whatever, that's, that's fine. But if you want to like make the all-star game, just, like just figure out the double teams, whatever. That's part. There was a couple. Much. There was a couple times in the Clippers game where like Chris did get a double thrown out. I was like, oh no, I'm like no <laughs> scenario. And then he like passed out of. his like, oh thank God, he just got out of that. But I did get a little. It was like flashback. It was like, oh no, he's gonna t- turn it over right here. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. K- kudos to Chris. He's played awesome this year. He's he'll probably make it next year or something. There's just a lot of players are shooting really really well this year and scoring a crap ton of points. Points is scoring scoring is up across the league. So good for Giannis. Hopefully you make it next year, Chris. You've been awesome. But right now we're going to take a quick break. Close it out on the other side with our miscellaneous topic. So stay tuned. All right, we're back. Riley, take us into rapid fire. So, I say, so I think this does, this does not account for the Clippers game. So the stats haven't been fully updated. But as of prior to that game. I'm going to give you guys the top four on the team in true shooting. I need you to give me number four. So number one, Bryn Forbes was 62.7% true shooting. Number two, Giannis is 61.8. Number three, Chris at 61.5. Who would you guess is number four on the team? 
Portis. Yeah, I'll say Bobby Portis. You guys are spot on, Bobby Portis. And Thanasis is one percentage point, one one tenth of a percentage point right behind him. It's so Bobby's sixty one point four, Thanasis sixty one point two because the <laughs> offense needs to run through Thanasis. <laughs> How about his three in the Clippers game? Burke calls him out right away. It was like, well, there was quite a bit of time left there. Oh my god! Yeah, no. and he was like doing like a fader too. It wasn't even like a set shot. He's like in motion. I was like, come on, Thanasis. Um, all right, what's the favorite sporting venue, stadium, arena, whatever that you've ever been to? Um, it could be Wisconsin based. It could be otherwise. What is the favorite, like the coolest arena you've been to? I can go first. Uh, I haven't been to too many. It was probably Lambeau Field for me. I'm kind of a Packers sucker, and I had never been for a long time. And then I was really fortunate to get these really good seats for a Vikings game. And I went with my friend who was a Vikings fan, and the Vikings lost by like 30, and it was really, really fun. So, yeah, Lambeau Field was pretty special. Okay. Yeah, I would say either Lambeau Field or the Melbourne Cricket Ground. It's huge. And to go there for a Melbourne Victory soccer game was kind of awesome. So I'd say one of those two. Yeah, I like uh, my ones were going to be soccer stadiums, too. It's just like the atmosphere, the one Allianz Field or wherever the hell. It's like a couple blocks from me here. Super cool. Oh, that's such a nice stadium. Yeah, it's a really nice stadium. Um, I'm surprised you didn't say Wells Fargo Center, uh, Adam. One of the most state-of-the-art arenas in the the land. Yeah, it's it's fine, I guess. (laughs) Does, how would I mean, it compare it against the the Bradley Center, late stage Bradley? Oh, Center? it's way better. I mean, okay. <laughs> come on, okay. like no offense to the Bradley Center, <laughs> but like, it, I don't get scared climbing up steps. I mean, the, the, mm-hmm. I will say the Phillies. If anyone's ever in the Philadelphia area in the summer, fantastic place to take in a baseball game if you want to watch a baseball game. Like, I, the outfield is opens up and you see the entire skyline of Philadelphia, so it's really cool. Cool. Um, all right, you guys are going to Culver's for dessert. What is your go-to Culver's dessert order? Uh, I actually so just had like this as the flavor of the day. Go ahead, Kyle. <laughs> flavor of the day? Well, no, no, no. I was going to say, assuming the flavor of the day sucks. Um, <laughs> I'll go with the sundae with um, caramel and either brownie or cheesecake bites. Cheesecake bites there are underrated. I agree. Okay. They're so good. You guys are making me miss home. Uh, I think this was my dad when the cow, when he's not milking cows for January and February, asked the whole family a question of the day. This was a recent question, I think a couple weeks ago. Um, I do a concrete mixer with mm-hmm. raspberry and cookie dough pieces. That's my favorite Ooh, dessert. That sounds good. I'm going to have to give that. I love a concrete mixer too. It's underrated. Go Culver's. Um, all right. As of this moment, just say yes or no. Will the Bucks reach the Eastern Conference Finals? Yes. No. Okay, good. Final question for you. Congrats, it's buyout season. The guy we sign is Ursan Ilyasova. One word to describe your reaction to that being the guy they, they add. What is your one word reaction? Bra. <laughs> Bra. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Great. <laughs> Ursan, can't wait to have you back, buddy. Stay loose. Can't wait. Oh it's going to be awesome. That's all I got for rapid fire this week. Uh, yeah, I would have to say bra. I just feel like really this is out of all the players, this is the one you – okay. You might as well just mm-hmm. kept him for the goddamn 77 million at this point. 
Oh my god. I don't see how it can't be Ursan. We haven't <laughs> talked nearly enough about Ursan content. That dude's posting all the time and all his trainers are rocking Milwaukee Bucks training gear. It's so obvious. I mean, he lives he lives in Milwaukee, right? He yeah. still lives in Wisconsin. He's just down he probably is at the training center every week and we just don't know about it, to be honest. Wait, okay. Is anyone else those were great questions, right? It, it, I am a, am I just dumb? I feel a little surprised no one signed him. Like he was not good last year, certainly not good, but yeah. couldn't he be okay? I'm sure if he, I'm sure like once buyout season, I'm not sure what cap situations look like across the league, but probably I would assume teams are going to wait until he's cheap or can. I would assume he gets picked up by somebody. I mean, I figured someone – I'm sure teams made him offers. I just wonder if he just decided, no, I don't want to, like, go to, you know, a trash team or I don't want to, like, uproot my family go all the way across the country. I don't know. I feel as though teams probably did at least look into it and probably made him an offer. Yeah, that yeah. that actually – that's a good point. He's, like, all those years where he was in Atlanta and Philly, like, he was all over the OKC. He was bouncing around. His, I think his wife and his kids still just stayed in Milwaukee that entire time. So there might be a certain level of like, I'm at the end of my career, you know, we're in a pandemic. I'd rather not like go to Atlanta and not be able to come back. So I, I would get if that would be an angle too. So that's probably more accurate as well. Yeah. Good call, but he's, he's coming back in a couple <laughs> months, so it's fine. I'm not yeah. Let's give him the, the Kenyon Martin dual 10 days and then sign him <laughs> to a contract for the rest of the year. I can't wait. Uh, all right. Time for a film review. All right, so with a toddler that is currently teething, he is super fussy. So we went through the usual Disney Plus like I always do. And I asked my wife, what should I put on? She said, either put something that's very colorful or put something with music, which makes sense because we are on Disney. And what pops up? High School Musical. Still great. Still absolute banger after banger after banger. I am... Very, it holds up pretty well. The story is still kind of dumb. I didn't care about the story. I was just there for the music. <laughs> that's that's dumb. the only reason why I was watching this movie. I was there for the music and the music only. Although one part that made Emma laugh a lot is during the song "Get Your Head in the Game." They, I guess, like Troy says, take the outside J, and I was like, wait, what the fuck is the outside J? Like, who says that? <laughs> like, why not just say a three pointer, take a jump shot? Like, why do you have to say the outside J? That's just confusing. Come on now, I laughed at it, but yes, music still holds up. Breaking Free still the best song out of all of them. Thank you, one hundred percent. If you didn't say it, I was going to. So thank you. We're on the same wavelength. So holds up great. I'd give it nine out of ten for the music. Five out of ten for the plot. I really didn't care about the plot. <laughs> it's all about the music. Yeah, that's all right. Now, the thing that people don't talk about with the High School Musical series, High School Musical Two, also pretty strong. I was listening to the soundtrack recently. I was oh no no no. Man. We started that actually, like because okay, we got because right. we watched High School Musical before the Bucks game. Then after the Bucks game, we put on High School Musical <laughs> Two. <laughs> and Emma's and Emma did say like I don't know if it's that good. And we were listening to the songs and we we're like, okay, no, this the music's still great. Like there are still great songs. The story still sucks, but the music. Oh yeah, I'll talk about that next week probably. <laughs> yeah, the 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 story is even worse than High School Musical. <laughs> yeah, one. that's there's no doubt about that. However, in terms of like Disney musical about ostensible high schoolers. Two movies worth of like pretty decent songs. I think that's pretty good. And I don't think people talk about that nearly enough with all these issues plaguing the world. So hopefully we can be the start of something, a movement of sorts. Yeah. 
All right. We'll move on. <laughs> it's time for uh, it's time for the fountain pen or fountain pen adjacent items review. Yeah, we should just call this like the stationary corner or something because I, I'm not writing quick enough to fill out or keep switching ink. So I got to keep like, pulling up stationary. Luckily, I got a whole bunch of crap. So this week I have Leuchtturm. We've talked about them plenty of times. This is an ex libris. I don't know how you pronounce it. It's Latin. It, it essentially means like of the library or something along those lines. This is a book reading uh, and cataloging notebook here. Um, I started it September of last year. And what I've done with it is you can kind of see, let me see if I can get one of the, let me see one of the full pages here. So you'll have in here all the different data for like the title of the book, author, when you read it, how many pages, and like some sections for review, and then like how you would rate it. And if you got it from somebody who you gave it to, stuff like that. Um, the reason I picked this up was one, I had money to spend. So I was like, let's go look and find something stupid to buy. And two, um, Goodreads is just a horrendous site. It's, it's straight <laughs> trash. And um, there's part of me that this, this sounds silly, but there's part of me where um, I get a little concerned about all like the stupid accounts that I've made and just let fester. And yes, and part of that is when you make one of those, you use up a little bit of server space. And a little bit of server space uses up like however much, you know, electricity. And it's a, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction. But I'm like, well, if it's something that I can do a physical version of and not have like just things scattered about, um, that might be more like either efficient or like it's easier on my conscious, I guess. Um, and there's something cool about seeing as you fill it up, all the books you read and things like that. So um I don't know many other stationary companies that make a product specifically like this. A lot of other people, you would have to build it your own page by page. And so if you're looking for something to kind of keep track of like what you want to read, what you have read, all that sort of stuff, this has got a lot of good features in it. So uh, the Leuchtturm Ex Libris is this week's stationary product. I might actually invest in that because with the Kindle, I realize I have a lot of books that I need to read quickly and I keep forgetting like which ones I've read and which ones I haven't. And Goodreads is a mess to say the least. Mm -hmm. So, Well, and, and part of it too, what I, what I like is, so it's, a, the blurb that they give you for notes, it's probably not enough to like write a, t if it's like a nonfiction book to get a lot of meaningful notes down. But if you just want like a quick synopsis right after you're done to be like, here are the main points. Here's what was like, either I liked it, didn't like it, what was meaningful about it. Um, I've liked that too, because I feel like, like you said, when you read a bunch of books, it can be easy to like kind of forget like, well, what was this? Like this sounds familiar, but what was like really the point? Um, and something about physically writing it down, even just like five sentences, really, I think, drives it home for you. So, I like that. I might get that too. That's a great one, Riley. Thanks. They, people should they should start charging, like, give me commissions for all the <laughs> start driving sales. We'll start looking into that. Don't worry. Oh gosh! All right, well, let's close it out. We've only got two more games to predict this week. Then we'll head into the All Star break. Tuesday at home, close out the homestand against the. Denver Nuggets, they did have a player apparently enter the health and safety protocol today, so we will find out whether that affects the status of that game at all. And then Thursday, they were at the Grizzlies' last game of the first half of the season. And then, of course, there's the All-Star game, Team LeBron or Team Durant. Which will you pick? So, I don't know how you make a prediction for record for the All-Star game included, but pick the one, uh, whichever team Giannis is on. Will they win or lose? I'm going to guess that they will, they being the Bucks plus <laughs> team Durant, I guess, will go 3-0. Um, 
Denver, if the, so we'll have to see what their repercussions are with one guy out. We'll see even see if the game gets played, if like other guys got infected or anything. It sounds like it's just the one player. So hopefully um, that remains the case. But I think they'll beat Denver, home game, kind of undermanned. And then Memphis, okay team, kind of the similar situation where I think we're starting to hit a bit of a stride. And if Drew continues to work his way back, talent disparity will kind of show out there again. Um, and then All-Star game, I don't know. I'll just guess... I don't think Giannis has won an all-star game yet, so hopefully he can uh, get off the schneid this year and get a win there. I'll say two and one. I think I weirdly think the Nuggets game might be a bit of a trap. I don't know why. I'm just not. I feel like things are going really well. Everything's going great. And then they're going to go on the, the road. Bu- that's the Bucks fan in you right now. That's the Bucks, the Bucks fan in me. <laughs> they're going on the road. It's right before All-Star break. Is anyone really going to give that much of a damn? I don't know. They'll, and I think Giannis will be on Team Durant, and they will win um, that game. Because I don't think Kevin Durant's going to play, so it'll pretty much basically be Team Giannis again. And he that's doesn't true. have, you know, bums. Hopefully he doesn't have bums like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid screwed it up for him this year. It's it's really you know what it's a good thing Giannis isn't the captain because Giannis is an awful talent evaluator. <laughs> he's, like, he's like either you're my buddy or like you know I think you're kind of cool and you're on the squad. It's like all right we're just gonna have dudes who can't shoot threes. We're gonna have four dudes who can't shoot threes around Giannis. And we're gonna make it work. So uh, it's for the best that Kevin Durant's gonna be picking a team this time around. All right, I'm going two and one. I think Bucks close it out with victories and then. Whatever team Giannis is on, we'll lose in the All-Star game, unfortunately. <laughs> but happy to have him there. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Brew Hoop Podcast. Go to brewhoop.com for all of our usual coverage duties. Uh, Gabe has been able to go back to the Pfizer Forum, thankfully. So kudos to Bucks PR for helping coordinate that and having them make sure that that is all done within uh, ensuring the safety of Gabe and all the other media members as well. So thanks to them for that. And then also, of course, all of our usual features that are on the site. So Follow us on Twitter as well. Share the podcast with your friends if you want. And thank you, as always, for listening. We will talk to you again soon.